Hi, this is Chris Sorensen. Welcome to Brookville Road Community Church Podcast. If you haven't done so already, please take a moment to check out our website at brookvilleroad.cc for all the latest information about what's going on at Community Church. I hope the following message inspires you to take your next step in becoming a wholehearted follower of Jesus Christ. Enjoy. praying with me. Uh, I always look forward to like, what's it going to be like when we get to heaven and, and we see the results of, of these prayers and, and what happened in the midst of just really difficult, challenging times. Uh, and just to hear the stories of individuals and how their heart was stirred and moved and miraculous things that happened. And, and it's happening. It's happening now. And I, I get the pleasure of meeting some of these folks uh, all around the world, doing different mission work and, and serving the church and hearing how faithful God is to them. Uh, and that's really kind of like the, the emphasis of what we're talking about here in this series when it comes to Uncertain. Uh, Uncertain is a book that I've written. You can download it for free on our website. And we're just talking about what do we do in those moments of our life where it's just like, man, everything seems uh, topsy-turvy. It's upside down. It's kind of crazy in my life right now. I, I don't know how to get through this phase of my life. What do we do? And it seems like it's really easy to follow God when things are good. But when things are bad, it becomes a whole lot more challenging to, to walk this out and to, to follow him in the middle of, of bad times. And in those difficult times in our lives, it sometimes can feel like, man, you know, I, I'm praying and I'm, I'm seeking God, but it seems like my prayers are just kind of like hitting the ceiling and it's not really reaching him. What do we do in the midst of those challenging hard moments. And what we've said so far is, if we're going to navigate through the uncertainty, the first thing that we need to do is pray. I know it sounds simple, but this isn't like just pray, you know, a, a simple God bless me kind of prayer. No, this is the kind of prayer where we're going we're gonna to take the time and we're going to dig down. We're going we're gonna to get down with it and we're going to pray and we're going to pray hard and we're going to ask God in the middle of the uncertainty, Lord, uh, here are my fears. Uh, beneath those fears, here are my desires. And I give all of that to you because your heavenly father longs for you to take everything that you have and the desires that you want in your life and to manage that for you. You were never made to go through this life on your own without your heavenly father. He is the one who can meet all of your needs. And in the midst of the challenges that you're experiencing right now or you will be experiencing down the road, he longs to be the source for you. And the way that we come to him is with prayer. And then we said it's important to remember and that we remember God's past faithfulness to us because it's God's past faithfulness that casts and, and foreshadows his faithfulness in the future. So when I remember how faithful God has been behind me, I realize that he's with me now and he'll be with me in the future. So we pray and we remember. And then last week, we talked about the fact that we need to seek, that we need to seek God's kingdom first. A lot of time, we're all about seeking our own kingdom, our own desire, our own selfish kinds of things. But God said, if you will seek my kingdom first, all those other concerns that you have, all those other issues that you have, I will take care of those for you. So we pray and we remember and we seek. And next, we need to follow. We need to follow. And that's what we're talking about today, following God. And I think it's, it's when times are, are hard and difficult and we continue to follow him, that's when he receives the most praise. That's when he receives the most 
glory. I think that's the moment in our life, if we're going to follow him in the middle of our challenges and trials, that's when our faith begins to grow. That's when we look back and we say, man, God was so faithful, and I grew so much during that time. I'm glad I didn't let go of my faith in him, but I followed him right through the storm, and he was with me. So we're going to talk about following him, and in order to do that, we're going to open up the Bible, and we'll go to Genesis. It's the first book in the Bible, Genesis chapter 37. Genesis 37, we're going we're gonna to look at a guy whose name is Joseph. You may have heard of him before. Uh, we're going to kind of cover a lot of ground here this morning, get a broad overview, but take a look at how Joseph followed God. Now, Joseph has, uh, had a dad, and his dad's name was Jacob. And Jacob had a couple of wives. Totally different story there. We could tell that sometime. But uh, Jacob had a couple of wives, and one of his wives was his favorite wife. And then the children of his favorite wife was his favorite children. And then Joseph was his favorite of all the favorites. He loved Joseph most. And just to kind of drive that home so that everybody knew it, uh, Jacob gave Joseph a multicolored coat. Uh, and so that understandably made all the other brothers jealous. It'd be like today, you know, one, you know, your parent gives one child a brand new iPhone and the others get track phones, all right? So it's like, this ain't quite fair. Yeah, they're understandably jealous of him. And so one day, Jacob looks at his, his boy, Joseph. He says, Joe, uh, I want you to go out. I want you to check on your brothers. And that's where we pick up in Genesis 37, verse 18. All right, you guys ready? Yeah, all right, some of you are. Here we go. Uh, they saw him, Joseph, from afar. And before he came near to them, they conspired against him to kill him. Now, I, you may have had some run-ins with your siblings, but I doubt that it's ever gotten to the place where they have conspired to kill you, that you know of, all right? Uh, they, said, they said to one another, here comes this dreamer, come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we will say that a fierce animal has devoured him and we will see what will become of his dreams. Now this is a very loving family. And so they, they throw him in the pit. So Joseph is literally in the pits and now uh, the brothers start arguing, should we kill him or should we sell him? And so fortunately, the sell him plan wins out and they sell him to uh, a tribe of Ishmaelites coming through. In, in my mind, I'm always picturing them uh, in my mind. They're kind of like Jawas, if you've ever seen uh, Star Wars. So I picture them like Jawas. But they're passing through. And so the boys, the brothers, sell Joseph to the Ishmaelites. So here's Joseph. He has come from a, you know, a great family. He has a bright future in front of him, and now it, it's not looking so good. He's given to these Ishmaelites. The brothers then take that multicolored robe. I'm sure they were very excited as they tore into it and then dip it in blood, take it back to daddy, take it back to Jacob, and say, you know, a fierce, wild lion tore your boy apart. He's dead. I mean, this is not good for Joseph, 17 years old. And again, everything was looking up for him. Wealthy family, favorite of the dad, bright future. And now his hands and his feet are tied. And he's being dragged down to Egypt. Genesis 39, verse 1. Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. Look at this next verse. The Lord was with Joseph. And we think, wait a minute, the Lord was with Joseph? You've got to be kidding me. I mean, if, if God was with Joseph, don't you think that things would be different than they are right now? 
The, the moment that we think about what's happening to Joseph, I mean, his hands and feet are tied. He's sold into slavery. He's being human trafficked, and it says God is with him. The moment that your brothers, your family wants to kill you, throw you in a pit, and then sell you to others is the moment that we think, well, God has abandoned me. He's not very interested in what's happening in my life. And this is the story of Joseph. He goes from success, he goes to slave, and the Bible says that the Lord was with him. Very confusing, right? I mean, if you were Joseph, wouldn't you look at a phrase like that in the middle of your, your hands being tied and being sold away into slavery? Wouldn't you say, I think I'm going to take a few issues with God is with me? But not Joseph. He continued to remain faithful and follow God. Genesis 39. His master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in, the, in his sight and attended him. And he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. This is Potiphar's house. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house. He's put everything that he has in my charge. He's not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you, because you're his wife. How can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Joseph, do you mean the God that allowed you to be taken from your dad? The God that allowed you to be thrown into a pit? The God that allowed you to be sold into slavery? the God that is allowing you to be tempted in this moment, and you're going to tell this woman, no? Don't you think God owes you, Joseph? I mean, come on. God hasn't been faithful to you. You don't need to be faithful to him. Right? God, God is good for so many of us when things are good for us, but if things aren't good for us, God's not all that great. Like God hasn't been faithful to me. God hasn't given me what I wanted, didn't get me out of this pickle, out of this jam. I'm gonna show you, God, I'm not praying. And God, I don't think you're faithful enough. I won't be reading your book either. And I'm not really interested in showing up and attendance at church or interacting with any other believers. That'll show you, God, because you're not real faithful to me. I don't need to be faithful to you. And yet Joseph continued to be faithful and he followed God. I know he's following God and I know he's faithful. He's, he's being shown favor. He's working hard in the name of God. Watch what happens. Now Potiphar's wife, she continues to pursue Joseph. And one day she catches him alone. And this is what we read in verse 12. She caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand. So he's fleeing temptation. He left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. The question is, why would God allow this to happen? I mean, he's trying to be a good boy. And he's doing the right thing. Doesn't God owe Joseph at some point? I mean, this kid, he is faithful. He's following God. Like, come on, God. Make, make me happy. Reward me, I want my best life right now. Thank you very much. Shouldn't God maybe take Potiphar's wife, get her out of the picture? But he still follows God. And he's like, I'm not gonna give in to this temptation. I'm gonna honor my God. I'm gonna walk away from sin. And now watch how God honors 
Joseph. Potiphar's wife lies and tells everybody that Joseph tried to take advantage of her. Verse 19, as soon as his master heard the words that his wife spoke to him, this is the way your servant Joseph treated me, his anger was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into prison. Come on! Oh, you gotta be kidding me, right? This kid did the right thing. He walked away from temptation. He's following God. He's faithful to him. And now his reward, here's your reward, go to prison. Go to jail. And now Joseph is in prison. This just gets worse and worse and worse for this kid who is following God. But God was with him in prison. Verse 21, but the Lord was with Joseph. Again, scratch your head. With me, if you're with me, can't you do some nice things for me? Are you with me or are you against me? Yeah, God was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Steadfast love. Come on. Wouldn't it have been loving to not have him taken away from his father? I I would start complaining at some point. I didn't want to be thrown into a pit. I didn't want to be sold into slavery. I didn't want to be human trafficked. I I didn't want any of this. I I didn't want to be tempted in such a way. I didn't want people lying about me, and I don't want to be buddies with a warden right now. I prefer you treating me a little bit better, God. And for many of us, God is good as long as things are good for me. As long as I'm happy and I'm healthy and I've got my job and I've got all the things that I might want. But when things are not very good, God ain't all that great. And I'm not real interested in following and being faithful. So Potiphar's wife continues to pursue. He's now in prison. Steadfast love of God does not seem to be there. And yet God is moving and God is doing things behind the scenes. If you go back and you look at what's happening in Potiphar, or in a, the palace right now, in Pharaoh's house, he gets upset with the cupbearer and the baker, and he t- throws them into the same prison where Joseph is. And as they're in that prison, they start to have these dreams, and then Joseph learns about it, and Joseph says, hey, hey dreams belong to God, I've had them myself, why don't you tell me your dreams? So these guys tell Joseph the dreams, and he explains or interprets the dreams, and it's not gonna work out so hot for the baker, But for the cupbearer, he says, you're going to be restored. You're going to go back to the palace. You're going to go back to Pharaoh. And now Joseph has an idea. He sees a potential way out of this prison. This is what he says in Genesis chapter 40, verse 14. He says, only remember me. He's talking to the cupbearer. Only remember me when it's well with you. And please do me the kindness to mention me to Pharaoh. And so get me out of this house. For I was indeed stolen out of the land of the Hebrews, and here also I have done nothing that they should put me into the pit. So now it looks like, man, this this plan is finally coming together. He sees a way out. So the cupbearer actually does get back out. He goes to Pharaoh, works for Pharaoh, and he forgets to completely mention anything about Joseph. Doesn't even remember to do it. And maybe you've been in that kind of place in your own life before where you felt like you've been forgotten by God. Like, I, I had high hopes Everything was kind of going to turn around for me finally, but then God doesn't come through. 
Everybody else has gotten the break. Everything else is working out for them. Uh, Their cancer, they're miraculously healed. Me, I'm still wrestling with this. Their loved one healed and lived. My loved one died. It doesn't seem like God's coming through for me on my job or my relationships. I feel like I have been forgotten by him. I want you to know something. Joseph is now 28 years old at this point. And if you recall, all of this started when he was 17. And for years for him, God had been silent. No miracles, no intervention. It only looks like there's a whole bunch of uncertainty going on in Joseph's life. But I want you to know, just because God may be silent, it doesn't mean that he's absent. Just because you may not see his hand at work or hear from him does not mean that God isn't there and he is not present. I mean, over and over in the life of Joseph, we read that God was with him, even though Joseph wasn't really seeing anything and he was still in uncertain circumstances. And for all those years, he remained faithful. He continued to follow. Joseph followed God. And here's the deal. God has promised to be with you. He promises never to leave you. Never to forsake you. You can find that in Hebrews 13. That he will always be there for you, even in the midst of challenging times. And I know that God was putting that in there because he knew at some point in our lives, we would bump up against these moments and we would think, what am I doing here? Is God even with me? Does God even care? And he placed that promise in there to remind you, friend, that God is with you. That he is present And what you need to do is to continue to follow him right in the midst of all of your uncertainty. So Joseph's in prison. Cupbearer forgot about him. He's there two more years. He's now 30, 30 years old, and Pharaoh has his own dream. And Pharaoh can't find anybody to interpret the dream. And so at this moment, the cupbearer hears about it, and he's like, ah, Joseph, I forgot to mention Joseph. And so he tells Pharaoh about Joseph. There's this dude in jail who's able to interpret stuff. Get him. And so Pharaoh sends for Joseph. Joseph comes and stands before Pharaoh. We read this in Genesis 41. Joseph answered Pharaoh, it's not in me. I know you're looking for an answer, and you're looking at me to go ahead and help you out here with your dream interpretation. It's not in me. God, God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. So even in this moment, before somebody very powerful, Joseph is giving honor and glory to God. He's not shrinking back. He's saying, this is all about God. And in this moment, he interprets the dream, and then he goes on to explain, here's what you need to do as a result of your dream and this famine that's coming our way. And Pharaoh's just blown away. This is what we read in verse 39. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has shown you all this, there's none so discerning and as wise as you are. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall order themselves as you command. Only as regards the throne will I be greater than you. This is amazing. Joseph has gone from inmate to in charge overnight. He's gone from the prison, and now he's in the palace. So you can kind of follow the thread here, the 13-year thread of in the pit, in Potiphar's place, in the prison, and now he's in the palace. Friend, there is no way that you come up with a plan like that yourself. You can't create a five-year plan to become the right-hand man of Pharaoh. Only God can do something like that. All those years, where's God? What's going on? God had been faithful and he was working behind the scenes on behalf of Joseph and on behalf of all of his people. God may have been silent, but he was not still. So Joseph has this brilliant plan 
And really, at the end of 14 years, Pharaoh owned everything. It was all his. And the plan was so great because there was going to be this famine, and so they stored away grain, and they were able to, to be able to feed a whole bunch of people. Here it is. Joseph had arranged all of that. God had a plan to leverage one man's pain to save many people. Most importantly, God's people through Jacob. God had a plan that he would send his son who would endure a whole lot of pain to save many. This is the work of God, not just like on this micro level, but on a macro level where God is well beyond what you and I might figure out that he could do in our uncertain circumstances because he's using this moment in Joseph's life. Yes, Joseph has some pain, but he's gonna leverage that pain. He's gonna save a whole bunch of people physically. They're gonna be able to eat. But then through Jacob, who ends up being saved, we have a whole line of Israelites and Hebrews, and then through them, eventually, we come to the place where Jesus Christ is God, born of a virgin. Then he goes to a cross and hangs there and is in pain for a purpose so that many might be saved through him. God may be silent many years between Old Testament and New Testament, but it does not mean that God is not active. And friend, in your life right now, you're in the middle of difficulty and storm and challenges and you're wondering, God, where are you and why is this happening? You need to know your heavenly Father is with you in the middle of your trial, in the middle of your confusion, in the middle of wondering, what is all of this God thing about? God is with you. And he is not still. He is moving and active. So this, this famine is what actually brought Joseph's brothers back in front of him. And sometimes you, you gotta read this. You just have to read it for yourself. I don't have time to cover it, but every time I, I read that, the, the drama between the brothers showing up and not knowing in the moment that it's really Joseph and then coming to this, this moment in which Joseph reveals himself, this is what we find in chapter 45. Joseph stands in front of them finally and says, I'm your brother, Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now don't be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here for God sent me before you to preserve life. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. That is a, a statement from a faithful follower. I realized that what happened in my life, it was painful and it was hard and it did not feel good in the moment. And I realized something else, God was aware. God knew the whole time. But just because I was in pain and God didn't take me out of the pain immediately doesn't mean that I'm gonna turn my back on God and say, oh, God is good some of the time. I'm just gonna to continue to say, no, God is good all the time, right in the middle of my pain, right in the middle of the sorrow because God has a plan and God is on the move and I get to be part of it. Eventually, Joseph's whole family shows up down there in Egypt and Joseph gets to see his daddy, Jacob, again. That'd be a great moment. Then eventually Jacob died, his father dies, and this is the moment where all the brothers are like, uh-oh, it's, it's going down now. He's gonna get vengeance. He's gonna kill us for sure. But Joseph looks at his brothers and he says something so powerful, so poignant, so profound, it is found in chapter 50, verse 20. He looks at his brothers and he says, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Joseph in this moment realizes he's not a victim of uncertain circumstances. He is a player in a grander story 
that is being told by God to bring glory to God. He was a part of something larger. So how do you follow God in the middle of your uncertainty, in the middle of your challenges? Well, you do what Joseph did. You remain confident that God is with you. To follow God, you live and respond as a man or a woman who has certainty that God is with you. God may be silent, but he is not still. You remain very aware that God is with you and for you, and that begins to change everything in your life. We live with that understanding. God hasn't left you. He hasn't forsaken you. That in time, as you continue to walk with him, you will see the hand of God. You will see what he was doing on his behalf to work through your life, to tell his story, and to bring himself glory. You're not a victim of chance. You're not a victim of chance. You're not going through this life just kind of on the waves and wherever they might bounce you or wherever the wind might blow. You're not a victim of chance. You're a child of God. And he has a plan and a purpose for you, and he is moving and orchestrating through your life the good things that we say, yay, God, and all of the painful things that we say, I'm not sure why this is happening, and he uses it and leverages it to tell a larger story, which is his glory. And you, you enjoy, enjoy all of this when you become a follower of Jesus Christ. When you determine that I'm going to get on the same page with God and I realize I'm going to reframe everything in my life and all of the circumstances I have through the lens of I belong to him and he is with me and he is my father, you do that and everything begins to change. And when you become a Christian, like when you say yes to Jesus at the moment, the Bible tells us that you receive the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit, it's a sign, it's a seal of the presence of God in your life. And you may not always feel it, and you may not always see it, but he is with you. He is moving in you. He is orchestrating his will. If you will just simply live as one who is confident that God is with you in the midst of your uncertainty, it's going to reframe the way you look at everything and the way that you respond to God. And no longer is it, well, God is good when things are good for me, and God's not all that good when things aren't great, but it is God is good all the time all the time. God's good. Always. Always. We serve a God that takes the chaos and puts it into order. I mean, if ever there was anybody to rely on, if ever there was anybody to follow, this is the one. He is God. Pray. Remember. Seek. Follow. What, what would a man or woman in your circumstances do if they were confident that God was with them. You do that, and you will see the hand of God move as you faithfully follow. You live confident that God is with you, and you do the next right thing, just like Joseph, and you will see the faithfulness of your heavenly Father. Let's pray. Father, for all of us in this room, there are moments where it just seems like life is, is hitting us in waves and it becomes dark and it becomes challenging. And for all of my friends that have gathered in this room and they're in the middle of uncertainty at this moment, Lord, I pray that they would hold on to you, that they would faithfully follow, that they would be reminded of your presence in their lives right now, that you are aware and you are concerned. And even in this moment where they haven't heard your voice or not even sure about the next move, that they would stay faithful as they follow you, that they would be confident that you are with them. In Jesus' name I pray.
Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the area and are looking for a church home, we'd love for you to join us at one of our weekend worship services. For service times and information about BRCC, be sure to check out brookvilleroad.cc. God bless you.